Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu salam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah rabbil ameen. We are honored to have with us today Ustad al-Nuruddin Knight who alhamdulillah has uh, written I think one of one of the most beautiful short collections of hadith, the 40 hadith on our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Ustad al-Nuruddin, what was it that uh, provoked you to re- to write that book on the 40 on Aisha radiallahu anha? Alhamdulillah, I was always fascinated by Lady Aisha and wanted to know more about her, learn more about her and honor her. And so Alhamdulillah, this was just a way to do that. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. We're looking forward to hearing your insights today, inshallah. Tayyip, we're going to be a little bit shorter today, inshallah ta'ala, but bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, we're going to get started. Bismillah alhamdulillah, so as we get into now the juz of Surah At-Tawbah, uh, and we start to see in uh, Surah At-Tawbah, you know, some of the consequences of not responding to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called them to that which gives them life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Juz 9, and we had covered this, you know, this idea of, you know, if Allah knew of any good within them, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have certainly caused them to hear. Now, Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اشتروا بآيات الله ثمناً قليلاً فصدوا عن سبيله إنهم ساء ما كانوا يعملون. We'll start off with this verse. Verse 9. Allah says they chose a fleeting gain over Allah's revelation. So once again, this idea of purchase, right? So they purchased this fleeting gain of this world, thamanan qalila, over that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. However, Allah Azawajal mentions something else about the hypocrites. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it's bad enough that they themselves had purchased the life of this world with the revelation and turned away from the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on top of that, fasaddu an sabidihi, they hindered others from his way as well. Sa'ama kanu ya'malun. Evil indeed is what they have done. You know, the scholars here mention that this idea of sa'ama kanu ya'malun, misery loves company, right? It's obviously the trait of the shaitan himself, of Iblis himself, that not only did he lose out on Jannah because of his own arrogance, but his arrogance has driven him to try to make as many people fall from the promised reward of paradise as possible. So it's bad enough that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that we spoke about in the previous juz, that respond to the call of Allah and the call of the Messenger when they call you to that which gives you life. It's bad enough that you turned away from that which gives you life. But now you're making it hard for everybody else. And of course, this comes in the capacity of tabuk, where you know this is a very difficult time for the Prophet and for the community. And the hypocrites did not just give excuses for themselves to stay back, but they also found ways to paralyze other people within the community by making their excuses more acceptable and by giving them loopholes and ways to try to get themselves uh, out of supporting the Messenger in Tabuk. Now, subhanAllah, as severe as this surah is, as severe as this surah is, and it is a very severe surah with the hypocrites. It's the most extensive surah about the hypocrites in the Quran. 
more so than even Surah Al-Munafiqun, right? This surah talks in detail about the hypocrites and their condition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 11, فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةِ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ وَنُفَصِّلُوا الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ If they repent and they establish the prayer and they pay the zakah, then they are your brothers in faith. You're not going to treat them as any less. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them a call to redemption even in the midst of a very severe admonishing of them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is how we make the revelations clear for people of knowledge. Now, this idea here, this is how we make the revelations clear for people of knowledge, is to say that the purpose of this revelation is to wake people up. And it's to speak to a people of ilm who want to increase themselves in knowledge by drawing closer to the revelation. But what I really want to get to, subhanAllah, as the uh, the contrast to what we spoke about in the previous juz is verse 55 of Surah At-Tawbah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا تُعْجِبْكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ so let neither their wealth nor their children impress you. La tu'ajibka. Don't be impressed by what they have of this world. Rather, this is only a means of punishment for them in this worldly life. And then on top of that, their souls will depart while they're in that miserable state. So they're going to have to face the consequences of their deeds in the hereafter. But by the way, they're not living as good of a life as you think they are when you look at them now. And that's one of the things that's very important for us is that when we're looking at people who, you know, act in in very contrary ways to revelation and to goodness and to righteousness, but still they seem to be living life, right? They seem to have wealth. They seem to have fame. They seem to have everything that you'd possibly want of this world. And the idea here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying they're actually not living the life that you think they're living because they don't have the perspective that turns those blessings into actual blessings. There, this is such a deep contrast to the ayah that we spoke about in the last juz. Okay, remember, respond to Allah and to the Messenger Sallallahu when they call you to that which gives you life. If you worship the material things of this world, then you're going to be utterly disappointed and find yourself in a state of despair. And so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying that while they appear to have so much of this world. They actually are in quite the miserable state. They're not very happy. So the fact that they have wealth, the fact that they get away with these things in this life should not make you think that they're actually living a good life. And they certainly won't get away with it in the hereafter because their souls will depart for them while they're in that miserable state. Uh, and Imam Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions about this, that everything in this life that gives you happiness also gives you a measure of sadness. Okay, so that's true for everybody. Right. If you have wealth, wealth comes with its condition. If you have, you know, uh, relationships, fame, whatever it is, it all comes with its condition. But here you see these people, subhanAllah, and they worship these things. Right. So they're only really getting sadness because their expectations of these worldly things are so much higher, are so much higher than the expectations that other people have. So. It's not just that it's not giving them true life and true happiness. It's actually giving them trial and giving them misery. And you see the rich and the famous and how empty they tend to be despite having everything that people think that they want. Don't be impressed. It's actually a punishment for them. And it's actually a means of trial and torment for them 
because they're not casting those worldly blessings in the pursuit of the ultimate blessing of Allah's pleasure and paradise in the hereafter. Finally, we come to verse 75. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهَدَ اللَّهِ لَإِنْ آتَانَ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ لَنَصَدَّقَنَّ وَلَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ فَلَمَّا آتَاهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ بَخِلُوا بِهِ وَتَوَلَّوْا وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that some of them have made this vow to Allah that if He gives us from this bounty, we will surely spend in charity and we will be from the righteous. But then once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them of this bounty, they withhold it and they turn away indifferently. So the thing about these hypocrites where they say, if we were in a better condition, we would do more for Allah. But the reality is, is that every time Allah bestows upon them a worldly blessing, they turn away further from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and turn that blessing into a further curse for themselves. And so the only true blessing is that which is used for Allah. And this, of course, is the response to what we spoke about last juz. Allah knows that they're, they're lying when they say that if you give us this and if you give us that. Because Allah knows that the condition of the heart is bad. Therefore, how they're going to utilize what is given to them is not going to be praiseworthy and ultimately will be a punishment for them in this life and the next. Of course, in contrast to the sincere believers who Shaykh Abdullah, inshallah ta'ala, will talk about. So Shaykh Abdullah, tafadda, bismillah. Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'd. We understand the difference between belief and hypocrisy. We know hypocrisy, you know, uh, linguistically or from our culture to be something that as a person that's two-faced they say one thing and then they do another uh, but really when we talk about the hypocrisy in regards to these verses in a uh, sort of toba and from a creedal perspective it's a person that hides disbelief voluntary disbelief they know that they disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they're lying by their actions as though they believe so they'll pray with the believers and they'll say that they're believers, but they're lying. It's kazib. It's a lie. And some of these disbelievers, there's different types of motivations why. Some of them want to be protected by the Muslims because they were greater. Because uh, it started during the time when they entered al Medina. There was an individual that saw the Prophet come into Medina. He was very envious of him. And that's where the Munafi, the, the Munafiqun movement, if you will, started. So it was hiding that level of disbelief. In this chapter of Toba, you see clearly that Allah subhanahu does not like uh, hypocrisy. And he breaks it down to the three primary groups of the mu'minin, the munafiqin, and the kafirin. Even though the munafiqin, are the, the hypocrites, are those from the disbelievers, you see, subhanAllah, during this time uh, of Ghazwat Tabuk, and that some of the scholars call it Ghazwatul Usra, uh, because it was a very difficult time for them. It was very hot, there was famine, and the Prophet ﷺ wanted to set out to Tabuk because he wanted to fight the Roman Empire. He wanted to fight, at that time, the Roman Empire was the greatest power in the world. And there was a level of uh, retaliation, if you will, that the Prophet Sallallahu uh, wanted to fulfill because of what was going on with the Roman Empire. So the Prophet ordered every, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ordered every man to get ready to fight in the war or this, this battle of Ghazwa Tabuk. But around this time, there were the Munafiqun. There were the ones that were hypo hypocritical and they would make certain statements, such as what Sheikh Omar mentioned. From them was an individual named Al-Jidd bin Qais. And Al-Jidd bin Qais was the individual that, subhanAllah, earlier earlier in uh, the Sirah, the Sulh Hudaybiyah, the Hudaybian Treaty, when they made the pledge under the tree, Al-Jidd bin Qais was there, but he went and hid behind a red camel when they made this pledge. The Prophet, وسلم, he said, everyone that makes this pledge are from the people of Jannah, except the person hiding behind the red, the red camel. And that was Al-Jidd bin Qais. Al-Jidd bin Qais, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned one of his statements in the chapter 
of number nine, chapter Toba, verse number 49, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What's beautiful about this verse and another verse is Allah uses the same word or morphological makeup that they use against them. So what is said here? Allah says, some of them said, give me permission to stay home. Or from them, there's those that said, give me permission to stay home and do not trouble me. La taftinni, taftin min fitna, the verb. And then Allah says, is it not that they were already in trouble? Was it the fact that they were already dealing with the fitna? The fitna of nifaq, the fitna of hypocrisy, the fitna of lying. Because what Al-Jidda bin Qais, some scholars said that he said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, you know, if I go there, I'm going to be maftoon. I'm going to face a lot of trial because, you know, the, 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 the women of the Roman women, you know, it's a fitna for me. So please let me stay home. Let me stay here and, and you know, and not go out and fight with you all. This was his excuse. But Allah is saying here, aren't you already in a fitna being that you're lying and you're doing this nifaq? So look at how Allah SWT uses these words. There's the other statement that some of the munafiqun made. In verse number 81, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in a portion of the verse where they where he says that they say, like because I mentioned it was very hot during this time. So they said, Do not go out in the hot weather. It's so hot. There's no food. How are we going to go out to battle? They know the Prophet mentioned that all of them should go out, but they're making this statement, which is defiant and non-compliant to the order of the messenger, order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they said, Don't go out, it's too hot. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebukes them. Look at the look at the rebuttal. He tells the Prophet to say to them, the heat of the fire is worse and hotter if they only understood. So this is the statement of the munafiqun that these during this time there were people that were you know trying to cause trouble. The Prophet also fundraised during this time. He fundraised and tried, you know, because there were people that didn't have enough to take with them. So he fundraised. And this is where we know the story of Abu Bakr giving all of his wealth. He said, I left Allah and his messenger with my family, uh, Umar giving half of his wealth. And, you know, subhanAllah, Umar realizing that Abu Bakr had this virtue. And subhanAllah, uh, on that day, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, you know, that's when he realized and he fundraised for the people. And there were some that were able to go with the riding animal, with food, etc. But there were a group of people that were not able to go. And they came up to the Prophet ﷺ and they wanted to go. SubhanAllah. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the exception, the people that were that were excluded from the punishment for not going. Because the munafiqun, some went from their nifaq and they wanted to plot to kill the Prophet and some made the excuses as was mentioned earlier. But there were some that were still in Medina that wanted to go, but they didn't have anything to facilitate for them, a riding animal, food, etc., the provisions of travel. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning those that have an exception. So in verse number 92, he says, Some of them came to the Prophet Sallallahu and Allah says, And there is no blame attached to those who came to you for riding animals and to whom you said, I cannot find a mount for you. They turned away with their eyes overflowing with tears that they had nothing that they could contribute. Verse number 92. And some of the scholars say that this verse <clears throat> is attributing to a group of seven brothers. And they call them al-Baqin or al-Baqin, that they were the ones that were crying. This is what I want to mention. We conclude here. 
Nifaq is an action of the heart. And that's why Allah dislikes it. Because apparently you see that they're obedient. And only one companion knew who the Munafiqun were. And it was Hudayfa. And that's when the Prophet ﷺ introduced who the Munafiqun were on the top of a mountain. When they plotted to kill him. But they saw that the Prophet ﷺ saw. And the Prophet ﷺ addressed to Hudayfa who they were. But other than that, they would not know. So this action of the heart, the believers in verse 92, they were weak and fable. Because in the earlier verse, he talks about not the ones that are weak and not the ones that are sick. <clears throat> they cannot go. But they still came and they wanted to go. When the Prophet said, I do not have anything for you. They were crying because they couldn't go and fight jihad. Just think about that. Think about the times that we were in Hajj. And the worst of you comes out in your tent. On the day of Muzdalifah, on the day of stoning the Jamarat, when you have to stone the with the seven pebbles, the worst of us come out in this hard time. This is fighting and, and risking your life. And matter of fact, to go out and to die for the sake of Islam, for the sake of Allah, for the sake of us now that we are existing here with this message. They turned around crying because they couldn't go when it was hot and it was famine. So the actions of the heart are very, very important. Looking at this, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of this second group of those that when we cannot fulfill an action of khair, you know, we feel at a state of loss. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise us on our intentions, inshallah. Ameen, ameen. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh Abdullah. Beautiful words. SubhanAllah, look at the contrast. You had people that had everything and no excuses, but they were deluded by their pursuit of this world. They lost the world and they lost the next life. And you had these people that were crying and they weren't envying the hypocrites. They were envying the believers who were going forth. They were believers themselves and they were envying the believers who were going forth. And so what you envy a person for and how you envy them says a lot about the state of your heart. And that's why the Prophet said there's no envy except in two situations, a person who Allah has given wealth to and they spend it for his sake and a person who Allah has given knowledge to. And they spread it for his sake. So if you, you know, when you envy that person who has wealth and spends it for the sake of Allah, you're not envying the praise they're getting for being rich, or you're not envying the house they have. You're saying, may Allah bless them in what they have, and I want to be like that too. I want to try to be in that situation where I can do that good. SubhanAllah. So it's 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 not the hasad. It's not like the the type, the evil type of envy. And so that person's not even concerned at all with you know, the material things of this world. They're just totally focused on, you know, making sure that they try to pursue whatever it is that helps them in their ultimate pursuit. Barakallah, beautiful words. Ustad al-Nuruddin, bismillah, inshallah ta'ala, take us away. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, alhamdulillah, inshallah, I'm grateful to be here with both of you, scholars, and be in your presence, alhamdulillah. So I wanted to reflect on uh, Surah Tawbah within Jews 10 and the verse number 40, uh, whose meaning is, even if you do not help the prophet, God helped him when the disbelievers drove him out. When the two of them were in the cave, he said to his companion, do not worry, God is with us. And God sent his calm down to him, aided him with forces invisible to you and brought down the disbelievers plan. God, God's plan is higher God is almighty and all wise. So the, the main reflection that I want to share with you all is for us to remain loyal to the truth and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will both protect and honor us 
And I want to continue a bit of the point that Sheikh Abdullah mentioned about the different intentions. So SubhanAllah, I, I wanted to mention three um, types of people. So there was, and the, the importance of loyalty to the truth and by intention and by reality. So it's interesting because at this point in the Prophet's life, so there was sudden he's being driven out of Mecca. They want to kill or imprison him. Um, and, the, and this would seem to be his end, but it's, it's also the prediction of Waraka, um, one of the first people that he told about his revelation. When he came from the cave of Hira, then um, we, we all know that story and I won't repeat it for brevity, but one of the things that Khadija said to him was to go to Waraka. Waraka was an old uh, wise man. And when the Prophet told him what, what he saw, what was revealed to him, then he said to him that his people would drive him out. And he said that um, if I should remain alive till that day, when you are turned away, then I will support you strongly. But what God was already old and he, he died way before this happened. So subhanAllah, we see someone with the intention, but not the ability. And then later on in verse 42 of, of the of verse of Surah Tawbah, that Allah says the meaning of which is they swear by God, if we could, we would certainly go out to battle with you, but they ruin themselves for God knows that they are lying. So then there's the hypocrites that Sheikh Abdullah mentioned, um, who say they would go out if only they had the opportunity, if only it wasn't for a list of excuses, but then they don't. And then the last group that we hope to ultimately be like, if we can't um, be like Waraka and have the intentions at um, at the very least, inshallah, we hope to um, at the most, at the highest level, be like Abu Bakr, who both had the intention and was able to fulfill it. He was, uh, he was ready to fulfill it. He was willing to fulfill it. He had the intention to fulfill it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the opportunity to, to fully um, show, showcase his faith. And so we know that Abu Bakr, he was the first to be informed of the hijrah, that they were going to finally leave Mecca, which had become increasingly abusive, and go to Medina. And uh, Abu Bakr also was the only one that was by his side when they were leaving Mecca. And so we know that they were in a cave and Abu Bakr was concerned. And he said, uh, if one of them should even look under his feet, he would see us. And this is when the Prophet said, Oh, Abu Bakr, what do you think of two persons and the third of whom is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So it's saying that Allah is with them. And so we want to be able to take the means provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stay loyal to this noble path of Islam and to be, inshallah ta'ala, to be honored and to have the intention of someone like Abu Bakr radiallahu and who, who had the intention to be with the Prophet sallallahu to remain loyal to him, loyal to the truth. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the opportunity for that to be fulfilled and then honored him uh, in the Quran through through mentioning his his story of him being one of the two, as well as of course uh, honoring him in the next life. Subhanallah, beautiful reflections, and it's very interesting. I never thought of Waraka, Allah Taala Anhu, and the 
in the context of the surah. Uh, but Baraka radiallahu anhu, the Prophet وسلم, not only mentioned uh, his his intention having been accepted, he mentioned his reward in Jannah. And one of the things that you mentioned so profoundly is that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu never failed to act on the intention. That's why he's Siddiq. That's why he is as Siddiq. He's the truthful one. What he expressed of his intention was truthful. And anytime he had the ability to match that expressed intention with his deed, he did so radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the most beautiful ways. And of course, all of Khulafa al-Rashidin, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, may Allah be pleased with them all, and all of the companions that we've mentioned, uh, you, you see this constant trend, right? They say they're going to do it, and they do it. And I think it's it's very profound to simply note that, you know, nifaq was not an issue for the people of Mecca. It was an issue for, for the people in Medina, the hypocrites in Medina. Because in Mecca, you got nothing by being a Muslim except for beatings and persecution, right? And run out. And so the Muhajirun did not have the ayat revealed upon them about hypocrisy because there was no benefit, there was no worldly benefit to even pretending to be Muslim. And Abu Bakr anhu, of course, being the leader of the Muhajirin in the sense, uh, you know, is, is the ultimate expression of that. But subhanAllah, uh, the tears of anhu in the very beginning of this revelation are equivalent to the tears of those men that Shaykh Abdullah was talking about that wish they could have gone out with the Prophet Sallallahu and Tabuk. And Bidna we hope it's it's also true of us that we shed tears, that we can't be with the Prophet Sallallahu that we could not have been with him in his difficult times, that we missed out on these these years when he was amongst us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And hopefully those tears and that expression and that sincerity, uh, may Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala make it of us, make us of those people of sincerity and sadq, hopefully, that delivers us to the hawl of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in al-Firdaus al-A'la, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Zakmallahu khayran. SubhanAllah, beautiful reflections. Do you have a take-home message for Ramadan, Ustad al-Nuruddin? Just a 30-second, you know, we're we're one weekend, something to, to tell people, inshallah ta'ala, to, to keep up with as Ramadan is, we're starting to get to that midpoint. Alhamdulillah, may, may Allah give us tawfiq to continue to go and, and have the strength that we had in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, and to continue doing good works. And inshallah ta'ala, a part of that good work will be to support Yaqeen and, and all of the amazing content that is helping us to get through Ramadan, especially when we have those slumps and, and turning to these videos as such beautiful reminders, alhamdulillah. For the sake of time, I had skipped the, uh, the the initial plug, but you just you just did it for us. Alhamdulillah, and it's better coming from you than it is uh, for me for people to support. I also skipped the dad jokes today. That's okay, Sheikh Abdullah. I, I apologize for skipping them today. Uh, you're making drat like Inshallah tomorrow or Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> Sheikh Abdullah, you got a take home message? Thirty seconds. You're good. Alhamdulillah, you're on mute, so I guess that really means you really don't want to give us a, a take home. All right, Jazakumullah Khair and everyone. Uh, we appreciate appreciate you all tuning in. Barakallah fiqh Ustad and Nuruddin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum Imagine an Islamic school teacher. Imagine her curious students. Imagine her teaching a concept as she usually does. Imagine a student raising his hand and asking a question.
But that question is beyond her scope to answer, and she doesn't know how to address it. Imagine that teacher has a resource, has a place to go to that gives her a teaching tool that not only simplifies the process for her, but gives her the chance to answer the very real questions students ask accurately. Imagine the confidence with which she can deliver. Imagine how she can break down a big concept in a visual way. Imagine the impact and the positive change that confidence will inspire in her students. Imagine how satisfied and motivated he'll feel. Know that you no longer need to imagine. Through infographics, Yaqeen Institute has made it possible for teachers and people of all backgrounds to teach and understand big concepts in an easy visual format. It's actual research presented in a way anyone can understand. Through one resource, we can inspire an entire community toward positive change. Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research.